0: Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. Glad you're with us today. My name is Hunter Croft. I'm on staff here at Axe Church. I've got Pastor David Robinson here with me today and we are um, just enjoying this pretty hot day uh, outdoors enjoying uh, the whatever breeze we can get. Um and we're going to we're going to talk for a bit today. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. He's he's leaving me in the dark on our subject matter for today, uh, but first off, how are you doing today?
1: I'm I'm living the dream, Hunter. How about you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little,
0: I'm 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 about at my natural body temperature right now outside, so I like that. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. helps that helps me uh, stay warm. That's why you're not wearing a shirt. Well, ooh, no, I I just want everybody to know that stop I stop imagining. He wearing a shirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't allow that.
0: Um, and even if I wasn't, it would look like I was because I'm so white. <laughs> right.
1: This is wearing a really, really white shirt. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh you know, primarily so I am gonna let you guys in on something. For the last twenty minutes or so I have been going through my <laughs> <laughs> my Apple Music uh oh, here comes collection. A bus. And, Why don't you uh, throw them underneath it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about to happen. So I'm going through my Apple Music collection just to kind of because you know, Hunter is our music guy. You know, he's the worship lead here at Axe Church and, and he's playing music for for the church each week as, as he leads people into worship. And I just wanted to get an idea for his <clears throat> oh, I don't know, just his exposure to sort of classic music and mind you I wasn't going into the depths of like you know uh deep cuts or b-sides of of bands I was just going to kind of major bands from the last several decades probably back through the 60s and and just playing you know what what we would I would think would be super popular songs the type of thing that you could probably hear on any elevator you would um, think you would I would think <laughs> I would think and you know, Hunter probably knew twenty percent of them. So uh, it was just interesting. I think I knew more, like thirty-three. I'm going to say a solid third. You had heard a solid third of them at some one point or another. Oh That's, yeah, probably. probably. Or you'd heard the chorus of them. I could or, name. The song or artist to about ten percent of them. Yeah, it was it was a horror show, um, <laughs> as far as as far as Hunter knows, which is no big deal. It just gives me a whole new world to introduce Hunter to, um, as far as music. But it actually brought up in my mind the idea of you know today I want to talk about art. I want to talk about. Um, you know, what art is, how a believer should, should approach art, you know, whether that's music, whether that's film, um, you know, whatever that is that, that you you know, books and so on, uh, fiction, you know, what, what do we do as believers, uh, photography? painting uh all the different sculpture all the different artistic endeavors that people engage in what what should we be uh doing as believers and how should we be looking at that because not all art falls into the category of quote unquote christian art um in fact christian art is sometimes not the best art um i know that's a terrible thing to say for some of you but the fact is that that's true let's start with this hunter hi what has been your experience, you know, you grew up in a, in a home where your, your parents were very committed to the church and so on, so you heard a lot of Christian music, but probably not a lot of non-secular or, or whatever people want to call it, right. music that's not specifically by a band that is claiming to be making Christian music. Yes. Um, so what was it like when you were exposed to music that wasn't from that uh, genre?
0: Um, I think initially I thought I shouldn't listen to it. Not... And it's not like my parents ever told me that. I don't know where I arrived at that conclusion. But I I remember being like, oh, I like this song, but it's not by a Christian band, so I shouldn't listen to it. And I don't know where I got that idea from. I don't think my parents ever said that to me. Um, and it wasn't like my parents didn't listen to non-Christian music. They just didn't really listen to music in the house at all. Like, I... I couldn't tell you any of my mom's favorite bands, but I'm sure she could tell you like, oh, I like this band and this band and this band, but I never knew any of that. It was never uh, talked to me about. And so I uh, just never, I just kind of always thought like, oh, I probably shouldn't listen to this because my parents only play, you know, Christian radio in the car and they only play Christian music at home um, if I play any music at home. So I just think I always just assumed like, okay, so I should avoid this non-Christian music. Um, So I grew up with a lot of Reliant K, a lot of Third Day, Mercy Me, Jars of Clay, which Jars of Clay, I don't listen to anymore, but they were good at the time, Um, Switchfoot, things like that, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and all of those are are very decent bands. Uh, In fact, you grew up at a time when Christian music was in a much... Uh, better place artistically than it had been, say, for the uh, 20, 30 years prior to that. Of course, you know, years and years ago, <clears throat> you know, Christian music, you know, back in the old days would have been popular music. You know, the stuff that's in your hymn book is stuff that was, you know, culturally very popular, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Right. Um, oftentimes, the uh, tunes and melodies and so on were actually taken from other songs and, and so on and, and turned into what they were. And so Christian music, I, I'm going to say through the 80s, you know, you had basically Amy Grant and you had Michael W. Smith um, kind of as your pop Christian. You know, there were some others, and I'm sure somebody's like, why aren't you mentioning? I used to listen to Striper. Striper yeah. yeah. I used to listen. Oh, yeah, That's I the was, one that made it to me. I was big into that as a them. kid. Yeah. Striper, To Hell With The Devil, which I remember my grandmother was very... Uh, <laughs> perturbed or concerned why does it say hell on the thing you know it's like well it's it's saying the devil's going to hell grandma and you know (laughs) i i still think she was like it still doesn't i don't like it you know um that's not how my grandma talks but uh uh you know the the point is is that there, what you're describing which is i don't know that i should be listening to this i think is a, a pretty common uh way of looking at it for some people in the church or for some people who have grown up in a certain cultural way but the the question is you know that we that we should probably answer is not whether whether we should listen or not listen to something based on whether the artist claims it's christian but there must be some criteria outside of what the artist is claiming about themselves that determines whether uh art w- whether it be music or film or whatever is in fact good art mm-hmm. or not good art right and so but let's start with this what are your thoughts on art do you think that art is in the eye of the beholder do you think that there let, let me put it this way is there an objective truth about art and what i mean by that so that we're clear is is it true that some art is actually better than other art regardless of what anybody thinks about it so so as an example if you liked the teenage mutant ninja turtles comic books And you liked the pictures that were in those comic books. And then I said, what about this painting, the Mona Lisa? And you said, I prefer (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic books pictures to the picture of the Mona Lisa. Do we leave it at that? And basically, so you get to be the self-determiner, the subjective determiner of what good art is. Or is there a truth outside of me or you about which one of those pieces of artwork are actually better art?
0: Um. I think that there are strong elements that are uh, behind art that makes them um, objectively good or bad and just, just kind of just running through thoughts. Um, I think it has to do partly with um, what the artist went through to produce it
1: um, because... So I could take 30 hours, right? Drawing. Yeah, I don't know right, if you've ever right, seen right. me draw. You've right. seen me on a whiteboard, so you have some idea. I could take 100 hours drawing and produce something that was not as good as my daughter could do in 5 to 10 seconds. So is the fact that I spent 100 hours on it make it better art? I think it gives it a certain value.
0: That, it, that particular facet of that piece of artwork has a, a certain appreciable value to it that you have to know about. You know, if I just looked at them and had no background, I'd probably go, "Oh yeah, this one's better." I'd probably point at your daughter's five-minute artwork and say, "That one's better." But your you, daughter—I can guarantee you would do that. Maybe. Yes, but your daughter has also put in thousands of hours before she did spend five minutes on that piece of art. So I would also look at at that as as the time contributing to it. But it's not just—it's not like just a numbers game either.
1: Um, so you would—you want to look to the work product or the work, the amount of work that goes into art as part of what you would use to judge the artwork itself.
0: Certainly. I think if I heard a song and I was like, Oh, that song's cool. But then I hear a story about how, um, take, um, what's the song? Um, I don't
1: know. There are a lot of
0: them. Amazing grace. Isn't that the one where, um, it was like, a, a slave ship, John Newton, uh, yeah, yeah, isn't he the one who? He, he, he so was? let's
1: keep, let's get the audience caught up. So John okay. Newton was a not a good man. Um, I think he may have been raised as as a you know in a Christian home, but rejected all of that. Became a horrible guy. Was a slave trader uh, right. on a slave ship, and I believe that he was in a storm, something like that, and you know, kind of kind of said, "Lord." <laughs> Get me out of this, uh, you know. And the Lord did, and got it. And and John Newton just he he just followed Christ for the rest of his life, and and uh, you know, obviously, eventually gave up the slave trade and so on. There's some interesting stuff about that we could go into sometime because he didn't give it up right away, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he but he followed the Lord, became you know a huge advocate. He worked with William Wilberforce who helped get rid of the slave trade in England, um, and uh, and wrote "Amazing Grace," the song right. that most of us know,
0: right? And so. I always, growing up, always liked Amazing Grace, and then I heard the story of John Newton and went, oh, that gives it a certain uh, value that it did not previously have with me um, to know all that guy went through to, I mean, he didn't go through that to produce that piece of music, but all of that, that piece of music was influenced by all of those um, crazy experiences, and so that gives it some value. It doesn't make anything worth listening to, but... Um, it it adds value to a piece of art.
1: So, okay, I, I, I actually this is I'm not sure it's the first time I've heard the argument that you're making. Um, and 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 what we're talking about here is basically if you if you want to use the big words, uh, is called aesthetics. So, which is the philosophy of art. Um, and you know, Hunter is is espousing a theory here of aesthetics that that puts a certain uh, level of the quality of an artwork. Based on the story behind it, or the person behind it, or the amount of work that the person behind it went into, or or, or something like that. So if we just had this movie come out. I can only imagine. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, it's a Christian film. We can talk about Christian film, maybe if we have time, um, and you know some of the goods and good and bad about Christian film. But um, I haven't seen that particular movie. I've actually heard it's pretty decent. And clearly, there's a story behind that song. Uh, I can only imagine because they made a whole movie. Based on sort of the story behind that song and the and the trajectory and the path that the that the young man who who wrote the song from Mercy Me I believe is who yeah who wrote that went is that, through is that Mac Powell I don't know no Mac Powell's Third Day oh. um, sorry Mac Powell shout out to Mac Powell I bet. sorry sorry the Hunter said you're in Mercy Me um, <laughs> I already told you guys about Hunter's issues with uh, music so no well doubts. no those
0: are the ones that I probably shouldn't yeah but you I don't. probably
1: should um, I don't actually I can't think of the guy's name sorry to whatever the guy is uh, Mercy Me you know that's he's good it's good they have some they have some really good songs but so there's a story behind it right and they even made a movie about the story behind it um there's a movie where you can see an actor portraying um newton and and it's called amazing grace is the name of the movie i highly recommend that movie uh it's about william Wilberforce, who was a believer in england back. bart millard uh is that his name that's the vocals of mercy me okay that's the guy then okay bart Bart, we got it right for you. Um, thank you, Google, or whatever you're looking at there on your phone. It was the Google. It was the Google. Um, that's that's handy. So, um, if you, Amazing Grace, I'm just going to throw that out there. Great movie. If you want to take a look at that about uh, William Wilberforce working to eradicate the slave trade in England, and John Newton's a uh, character. Um, he's in the movie, so uh, you know. But but Hunter's basically saying, listen, what you, what goes into the art has something to do with the value of the piece of art as where I think I would look more at a piece of art for, you know, on its own. And then I, then I might, it might enrich my experience of it to know the story behind it, the history behind it, that type of a thing. Right. In terms of the way that I'm, that I'm taking it in. And so I I wouldn't say that that's not an aspect, but. But obviously if something,
0: if you spent a hundred hours drawing something, I might not even give it the time to learn the story behind it because it would be aesthetically not very um
1: it could be interesting i guess actually but it wouldn't be be (laughs) terrible i'm really not good at at, that drawing but yeah i think that you're going to have to get hooked in by the quality of the work itself before you're going to be very interested in the story behind it um however the story behind it is (sighs) I mean, art is about experience, right? It's about right. it's about catharsis. It's about am I connecting with this piece of art? Is it saying something? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the question though still remains: is is it objective? Is it subjective? Let's say the story really resonates with you, but it doesn't resonate with me. Does that matter? Is the does the art? Who is the ultimate judge of whether art is good or bad? Is it the individual or is it God? Um,
0: I think. Uh, obviously, God. But I think He also. I think. Mm, how do I want to say this?
1: Very carefully.
0: I know. Um, I just I just saw two spiders get in a fight, so I was a little distracted. But uh, <laughs> you can draw a picture of that later. That was we'll that's, call it art. that's art. <laughs> um, I think God determines what is good art, and I think that He what He believes is good art, He bestows on us. And so what we think is good art is actually what God thinks is good art. Um, And I think that God uh, gives different people a different perspective on that. And that's why, because there are songs that you love. Like when you were just walking through this, um, you're like, this is a great classic song. And I went, hmm, I would not listen to that in my free time. Um, and So the
1: question is, am I wrong? Or are you wrong, or is neither one of us wrong?
0: I think, I think to an extent, I'm wrong because I haven't taken the time to grow to appreciate it.
1: Yeah, is there a defect in it, it, Is there a defect in the individual when they can't appreciate something that truly is good art? Now, I'm not saying those songs particularly are good art. They could just be my own. They could be my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book, right? They could just be something that I happen to happen to like. There's bad art that people like. You're right The question is, is that because they're not bad people, but, but bad at knowing what is beauty, what is truth, what is art? Is it possible that there are people who have more and less refined senses of the good, the beautiful, the artistic?
0: Definitely, I definitely do think that's true because I mean, um, if you look at talk about food, if you look at what a six-year-old likes to eat and what he said is the best food in the world, Um, it's probably not necessarily actually um, something that an adult would say is the best food in the world. Because they'd probably say, like, a turkey sandwich with nothing on it or something like that. That was cracking me up. Going, I worked at Subway for a while, and so you'd have people coming through making, like, a meatball marinara sub with, like, all these different vegetables and sauces and and, uh, seasonings and stuff like that. And you could tell that they really just, like, they had this thing that they wanted to do. And then you have this seven-year-old kid coming in, and their parent would let them make it themselves and they'd be like, I want a, a ham sandwich and I want mustard on it. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, you know, the kids don't have appreciation for, um, all these flavors. Um, and so obviously there is some of that. I also think, I don't necessarily know, know if that makes that kid's
1: perspective wrong or just underdeveloped, or just let's use the word incorrect rather than wrong. Okay, uh, underdeveloped. I like that. An, okay, uh, an underdeveloped appreciation of.
0: Or is it because there's also I think there's a certain amount like you can just appreciate the simplicity of this stellar Heinz mustard that mm-hmm, you're putting on your mm-hmm. on your sandwich. You know, I think there's a, assuming a certain, that Heinz mustard is stellar. I I don't, know. I don't I don't like mustard in general actually. So oh really yeah bad bad uh, I like mustard metaphor for me but um so i i i also think that it could or or take for instance the the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics um a kid enjoying that it do well i think so uh, i'm sure there are some adults who would say i still really like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics whether it's because they still have that that memory of liking it as a kid or not. Yeah, like a nostalgia or something right but I think there's a certain amount of, of appreciation for the simplicity of it and um, and what that represents to you I, yeah and then there's just so much there's so much subjectivity around art I think it's hard to come up with an objective um, I think there are objective traits obviously to art that um, make it valuable or invaluable wait a second that
1: <laughs> and that just means it's even more That's valuable. It's inflammable. <laughs> yeah. It's inflammable. Does that mean it's more flammable? or l- I, I don't
0: know. You can't put out the flame. That's right. It. Anyway, um, w- whether it makes something more valuable or less valuable, uh, I think there are objective traits, but I think um, so much of it comes down to uh, whether. Uh, yeah, see, now, now I'm going, I'm, I'm flip flopping. Mm-hmm. Now it comes back to whether not me. whether or not you can because perce- i I've, I've really <laughs> i've not really thought about this a lot i just like art um, so a certain amount of it comes down to your perception so does you, does that
1: make your perception Let's r- let's get a couple of things straight. There is a difference between saying i have an opinion about this piece of art And your opinion is true about what you're experiencing okay so okay for instance you say um here's the mona lisa and you go you know what i wish she was smiling more
0: so is something beautiful without anyone to experience it
1: that's that's a there's never no one to experience it right because god exists right Right, right. because the creator of the art experienced it right um there are questions about whether something is art if it wasn't intended to have an audience For instance, I draw a picture by myself and then burn it. When it's done, I never show it to anybody. Was that art? You know, am I am I an audience or does there have to be an artist? Or was it just exercise? Or yeah, or does it have to be an artist and an experiencer of that art? Of course, for a believer, we would say, well, God is experiencing anything that you create, and if you're True. intending it to be, do you do you even have to intend it to be art? Um, there's all kinds of questions like that. We can't get into all of that. You're talking <laughs> about a semester of, uh, of which I did a semester <laughs> of aesthetics uh, in, in my philosophy degree in college, but um, you know, I want to I want to get to to this objectivity issue you can't let's talk about something that's not art okay or, or normally people wouldn't think of it as art you go to the grocery store and you and i we want some ice cream and so oh that's art i like yeah, <laughs> you're right. going the wrong direction right. for me man. right well there's culinary art i mean there is but but let's just say we're, we're going to take this out of the out let's of the, out of the art world for why, a don't we,
0: why don't we why don't we buy a tomato
1: okay so well this the important thing is that Let's, let's say we're going to the produce section, okay? And, of course, God makes art, too. I think tomatoes probably are art, but let's, let's try to <laughs> let's try to keep this as, as reasonable as we can. So you you want a tomato, and I want an onion. That's, that's my preference, and I say, I don't like tomatoes. Now, that's true. Not not for me. I actually love tomatoes, but let's just say I didn't. And I say, I don't like tomatoes. I like onions. You go, I don't like onions. I like tomatoes. Well, those things are true of us, if they were happy to be true. I don't know if you like onions or not, but. Uh, they're all right. Okay, so but let's just like say tomatoes, let's say you don't okay, so I'm getting the tomato, <laughs> you're getting the onion. This is this is getting too difficult. I like both onions and tomatoes and most everything else, but um that's my own problem that I have to deal with. But, uh let's so I say I want the tomato, you want the onion, you know, I don't like onions, you don't like tomatoes. Hey, potato potato, tomato tomato. Um you you have a preference. You have an opinion. You have your own tastes, your own taste buds and what they tell you. What you prefer certain things, you don't prefer certain things. That doesn't, the question is, does that say anything? It says something about you. Does it say anything about the tomato or the onion? No. That's the question. Is the onion good, whether or not you happen to have a taste to like it? It just is, I think. Do you think that God has an
0: opinion on that? I think, I think in Genesis, he says he created it and it was good. So then, yes, I do think
1: it's an opinion. Of course, that was before the fall. True. So,
0: and so onions are a result of the fall.
1: The question is, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Some people probably think so. Uh, the, the question is, does God, and I use the word opinion, but that's not, that's not the word I would actually use. Does God know what is beautiful? Whether you recognize it or not, does God know what is beautiful?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: How do you know I that? think
0: because he says so in Genesis.
1: Okay, but that's pre-fall. Is there anything post fall that you can think of where God, where God makes a comparison between things? I can give you some if you don't have. Yes, that in
0: mind. I can't. I can't think of any. Specifics. How about this? How
1: about that? Saul was the best looking man in Israel. God said that. He said that. Yeah, that's what that's what Scripture says. Not only does it say that, but in the same in the same sentence or the same uh, passage, it says it says Saul was the best looking man in Israel and taller. I knew that from the shoulders up than anybody else. So he makes it now is tallness objective, right? It yes. is right. It's completely objective. Like you, you don't get to say like, you know, the person, you know, Kaylee Kiros, who sometimes routines <laughs> about, she's not that tall, um, but she's tall on the inside. Um, sometimes we'll say something about the fact that she's not that tall. Right. Kaylee is, is objectively shorter than I am. Right. Um, for now, you know, maybe I lose my legs in an accident or something. Maybe she would be taller than me, but for right now, if we both stand next to each other, she's shorter than I am. That's an objective fact. Anyone can can say whatever they want or perceive whatever they want, but the truth is that Kaylee is shorter than me, right? Right. So if God is saying that that Saul is taller than everybody, no one's questioning whether that's objective. But in the same in the same uh, passage, right next to it, it says that he was better looking than anybody else and taller. So he, God is making a statement about Saul's beauty. Okay. Right. So. Do you think that there might've been people in Israel or in the world who thought that their husband was better looking than Saul? They preferred the way their husband looked better. I hope so for
0: the sake of all the other For dudes. the sake of their husbands, <laughs> I hope
1: that there were some women who thought, no, you know what? I really prefer my husband. He's got, you know, different, you know, whatever, he's shorter, he's got better hair, whatever they thought, right? right. Um, and, and they would have thought their husband looked better. And God would say, that's, that's fine that that's your Opinion, but that's what that is—is is your opinion. The truth is, God said Saul was the best-looking guy in Israel. Mm, that's harsh, is it? <laughs> I, don't, I just feel bad for all those other dudes now. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a d- difficult thing to bear. Obviously, in this generation, I have that distinction. And so it's, uh, you know, mm. yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> God has not said that about me. People um, who just listen to our podcast are like, what right, does he look like, like, right? <laughs> right? like? This guy must be really good looking. I'm not. It's <laughs> not. Yeah. Don't, don't go looking for pictures. You will be very disappointed. Um, Saul, though, you wouldn't be disappointed. I think that most people would probably think he was very good looking. But even if they didn't, if they thought he wasn't good looking, they would be incorrect. Right. Because they did not have their sense of beauty as refined as God's, and therefore they weren't able to see Saul's if they didn't, then they weren't able to see or they didn't they didn't they didn't have the right uh taste buds for, for beauty that God has. So let me tell you where this is confusing me now.
0: So now I guess I God's perspective is a perspective I aspire to, and so we'll take those the wives of those other guys, those poor other guys, for instance. Right. Should they have aspired to then see Saul as more handsome than their own husbands?
1: I think that that yes, at some level, I think that you could or you could recognize. <coughs> excuse me, you could recognize beauty in someone without adding to that attraction. Right, in and in an inappropriate attraction. So we're talking about a human being in this case, right? So it's
0: just like, I appreciate that you are a very handsome sir. I still am attracted to my husband.
1: Right. For instance, I think that, you know... Most people, I'm just guessing, would think that Brad Pitt was better looking than me. Uh, Whether that's true or not, you know, God would have to decide between us. I'll let God judge between Brad Pitt and I. But I'll be honest, I think he's probably better looking than me. And that's okay. It doesn't make me feel bad about myself that Brad Pitt is better looking than me. And I don't care if my wife looks at Brad Pitt and says, yeah, Brad Pitt is a better looking guy than you. That That wouldn't kill me.
0: Obviously, there's someone out there who looks better than you. Sure.
1: Everybody except for one person. Sure, there's there's right there's one there's one guy out there who right now is the best looking guy on on the earth. You know, whoever that happens to be, it's probably you. I I don't know, but whoever that happens to be is the. What does this guy look like? Yeah, right. Don't do it. Now you're (laughs) looking up Hunter. Whoever that happens to be happens to be the best, but everyone else is not right. And and I'm okay with my wife. I know that she loves me and is and is attracted to me in the way that a wife should be to a husband, even if she recognizes that I'm not the best looking guy in the world um, that's okay with me and yes I would actually prefer and this may sound strange but I would actually prefer that her sense of beauty was refined enough to see that rather than just have her believe incorrectly right that I was the most handsome guy in the world
0: yeah okay I, I think I'm tracking now you can obviously see that someone is more attractive than oh no no not more attractive
1: more, more beautiful
0: more yeah more beautiful And that I I don't think that we very often differentiate those two qualities, attractiveness and and beauty. But I think someone can... Which is a
1: whole other problem that we have in this society.
0: Yes. Um, I think you can appreciate that someone is more beautiful than your husband or wife and still hold your husband or wife more attractive than them. Yes. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm...
1: Yes. That, that was a think different change. Now no, I, I don't find anybody make. more beautiful than my wife, but that's because you know that's that's just me. Because you're unrefined. That's right. I'm a, well, perhaps or perhaps maybe I should perhaps say she's that. the she's the most beautiful. Could um, be. But in any case, the point is is that is that yes, that, and that's with people. But with art, you got you got to do the same thing. Look, God was making a distinction about beauty. I think God knows knows not has an opinion knows what the most beautiful work that a human being has ever wrought has ever made is. Okay. I think he knows exactly what the most beautiful artwork has ever been. I think God knows, doesn't have an opinion about every work of art, every work that humans have ever made, and can, could rate them from one to a billion easily.
0: Right. And yet he can still love each of those pieces of art for the person who made them sure. equally.
1: He can appreciate every single one of them, but he knows which one happens to be more beautiful. That doesn't make it more valuable necessarily it makes it more if you're recognizing a piece of art for its beauty and that's what you're looking for or the truth that is represented in it right then god knows he must know which piece of art is more true more beautiful
0: but can there be other criteria that applying this criteria which is applying this criteria that is totally valid this piece of artwork is the most beautiful while applying a different set of criteria, which are all just as valid as those criteria makes this other piece of artwork more beautiful. Couldn't that be a situation?
1: I I think you'd have to give me an example. I'm not sure that I'm following you. Um, Well, I mean, for instance, the word valid uh, can be dangerous in this context. So this
0: like think about music versus a painting. Okay. Or even let's 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 keep it visual. Painting versus a photograph. Okay. A photograph is being judged by entirely different criteria than a painting is. Sure. A certain painting could be one of the most celebrated paintings, most beautiful paintings, but it could be a terrible photograph, and the photograph would be a terrible paint. Well, the photograph would probably still be a good painting, but um, it's not a painting, and it's being judged by something differently. Um, so, does that make so you can't, I don't think, I think it's apples and oranges. You can't say, oh, this is the most beautiful piece of human artwork because...
1: Well, I mean, he didn't say Saul was the most beautiful thing in the earth. He said he was the most beautiful dude. Right, so I think you have to... I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. With, yeah, within category. Yeah, okay. So I I don't know. Does God know what the most beautiful thing is? Yes. Um, certainly the works of God are... Are more beautiful than the works of human beings. They just are. Um, the works of human beings are not are are an, are an aspiration to have to capture the beauty, often, of the works of God, right? Whether that be uh, landscapes or, or whatever. But sometimes art is, is something different. It's telling a story, right? Whether that's a photograph, whether that's a painting, whether that's a play, whether that's a movie, whatever. All of those things are different. And yes, they have different criteria. What makes a movie great and what makes a sculpture great are different things. But God still, the question isn't that. The question is, is there such a thing as an objective truth about art? And, and let me tell you why this is important. It's important for a couple of reasons. Your taste is your taste, and it is what it is, right? It just, it just is. You can refine it, and the question is, how do you refine it? Well, you refine it by, by engaging with, in this case, artwork, To to an extent, learning about it, understanding it, and engaging with it to an extent to where you can truly um, figure out, you know, discover the difference between – two different paintings and which one is more beautiful is my drawing that regardless of how much time I spent on it as beautiful and true as Corey, my daughter's drawing. Um, and the answer is normally going to be, no, my drawing is probably not. Although maybe there are cases where that it would be depending on what she drew and what I drew. But the point is you're trying to, um, you're trying to, you develop in yourself a sense of taste so that you can have a closer and closer um, understanding of what God knows is good. It's, it's part of having the mind of Christ, right? Having the mind of Christ is understanding, is, is having that mind towards everything. Being able to, even even Aristotle, who was prior to Christ, right? Um, he talked about, you know, understanding that, that the good man or the good person. Is the person who's able to see, discover, recognize the beautiful, the true, the good in the best works of God and man. He understood that, like, uh, uh, you know, what humans make, what what God has made, being able to, to recognize the beauty of those things is something real. And when you say it's not, when you say that it's completely up to the taste of the person, that has implications for other things like morality. Um, there is not a huge separation between the belief that art is completely subjective and the belief that morality is completely subjective. Do you see that?
0: You, to an extent, yeah. I don't know if you could completely. I don't think. I don't think accepting one necessarily means you have to accept the other. I think accepting one means you are one step closer to accepting the other.
1: That's true. I think if you accept
0: that morality is completely. Um, uh, subjective I think then you have to accept that art is completely subjective.
1: but you have to accept that almost everything is completely subjective right right um, But
0: if you accept that art is completely subjective, I think I don't think you nec- I think you can still hold that morality is objective but it's um,
1: it's more tenuous. it's more tenuous because when yeah. you when you start to say I decide well, because at some level art is a representation of the good mm-hmm. the true the beautiful. Right. If it's not that and, and and I'm not saying the beautiful like all art needs to be uh, pictures of butterflies. Sometimes the beautiful can be represented by by or the true can be represented by things that are not that we would not normally look at and say they're beautiful like a butterfly, but beautiful in their truth. So we can have for instance a, a very dark story but it but it represents truth about the human condition about who we are, about about the fall, about a number of things. And yet there's beauty in it because there's truth in it, right? Right. And so recognizing those things is is part of what it means to grow in having the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: So my question off of that then is this. Is it morally wrong to, to... become stagnant in what you like? Is it morally wrong to say, I know that this probably is not the best. We'll go back to music. I know that this is probably not the best music in the world, but it's what I am comfortable with right now. And I don't want to pursue um, anything beyond this.
1: Um for my so, in other words, listening. to not refine your tastes, right? Yes, yes. I think Aristotle would say it was. Um, you know, I think that I think scripturally that yes, there's some there's some evidence to suggest that it's morally wrong not to continue to develop the mind of Christ, right? You you are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And so, part of that is coming to understand the mind of Christ, the way that God sees the world, and that means to see beauty not only in things that are. Traditionally considered beautiful by everybody else, but to see beauty in things that that many other people don't see beauty in. I mean, that's the whole thing that, that Christ came and he turned the world upside down. Who was he hanging out with? Who was he? Who was he going to? He was helping the sick. He was helping. You know, he's hanging out with whores. He's doing. He's going to 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 the places that everybody else is saying stay away from that. That's all the world is saying. That's nasty. That's whatever. And yet he was able to say no, 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 no. I created these things. These things were created through me and these things have beauty. And then he would help to, he would go and turn back the curse in those cases and draw the beauty out that would, that he knew was there. So yes, developing your taste in developing your ability to discern the good, the beautiful, the true is, I believe a moral imperative, something that we ought to do.
0: Yeah. At least, at least if you're aware of it, I think if I don't think it's wrong if you are simply just ignorant to the fact that there's something better out there that you're missing out on. I don't know if that's necessarily um, well. And there's a question of how wrong. much time
1: you you are able to give to, uh, yeah. for instance, can we or do we all have time to go to the museum every week and learn about uh, you know painting? No, we don't. And and, and the fact is is that. You know, and I'll tell you right now, I'm deficient in a number of areas in understanding, including music, including painting. I'm nowhere near the place that I would like to be in in, in terms of being able to appreciate and understand the beauty and truth in these art forms. Right. Um, I think I know something more about film than I do about, say, painting. um, But none of these areas am I am I fully developed and have the full mind of Christ. But that's part of that's part of the goal. And nor should
0: you drop everything to go become, I mean, maybe, maybe that's, if that's if that's your call, yes, yes. If that's what you've been called to do, then yeah, do that. Particularly
1: but. if you're an artist, which, and, and, and for artists and for, and for Christian artists, it's kind of a hard road because artists tend to have a, those who create beautiful works of art and, and true works of art tend to be somewhat alienated from the rest of society because they see things differently and because they experience things differently. And so they be, so there's oftentimes an alienation because they're seeing things, their, their taste is developed. They understand things that you and I don't. And that, and because we want to sit around and talk about uh, football, uh, you know, whatever, and they, and they are experiencing the, the world. They'd be sitting where we're sitting now outside in the back of the of the uh, church office and they would see this tree that that is next to us and they would see things that you and i just aren't seeing because they've developed their their understanding and their and their taste for art so much more than you and i and that and just that vision of the tree just what they understand there is actually alienating from other people who don't see it and so i actually have a heart for Artists, because I recognize that they that their experience of the world is different, and that difference is often alienating between them and other people. Right. Um, and, and you know that's kind of a side note, but it is it is something that is important to understand about people who have artistic taste. It's often it's often alienating. It's often makes it difficult. And so, you know, the the first place I think you have to come to is to see that there's an objectivity to beauty, and that you are not the final determiner of beauty. For anyone other than yourself, which is to say, you can have that opinion. You can tell me that you think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics is the height of art, but you're just wrong about
0: that. And if you're not willing to consider otherwise, that's probably where you are errant. You you can think that all day long, that's fine. But as soon as um, you're not willing to question that, is that when that becomes
1: wrong? I think when you go from saying, I enjoy... I appreciate, I like to, this is good, objectively, you know, this is good art uh, and you're unwilling yes to to intake things that others who are maybe wiser than you or have been around longer than you are, are explaining to you, no, these, these things are actually better, more true, more beautiful, more within the mind of Christ you are probably making an error. And and it, and it probably is a moral error if you're unwilling to see anytime that we reject truth or we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, we're sinning, you know? And so and people are like, oh my gosh, there's this whole new area of sin. Relax. I'm not saying that all of us are in this horrible sin because we're not all, uh, you know, going to the museum every weekend or, or, or understanding all those things. I'm saying we should be taking steps forward to recognize that which is truly beautiful and that which is more like the equivalent of candy right there's good food there's nutritious food there's this, there's the kind of food that that truly helps the body and then there's there's candy and candy tastes good but you, you ought to know the difference right you ought to know the difference and so do I like to watch a a summer blockbuster uh, you know with the explosions and and some humor and whatever yes do I mistake that for good art generally no Right. That I generally sense. understand that I'm, I am I like this, I enjoy it, or whatever, but I'm not going to make an argument for why this is, in fact, the best movie ever. For instance,
0: uh, the most recent, not the most recent Star Wars movie. Um, I still haven't seen Solo. I got to see that. I haven't either. Um, but uh, The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. um, episode eight, if you're into Star Wars, you already knew that. But I explained that to everybody else. Um, episode eight, Star Wars got a lot of flack for its artistic value, I still personally really enjoyed it. and i and I see all the arguments that people made saying that, oh, it's it's artistically flawed because of this or this or this. And I can i I agree on all those points, but I still hold the opinion that it was a very enjoyable movie, um regardless of those flaws.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the movie also. I think that, it's probably not the finest piece of art that's ever been made. Um, I, it's definitely not the best piece of art that's ever been made. Um, but I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I, look, your average sitcom... It's funny. It's it's an enjoyable way to pass, you know, twenty two minutes if you have Hulu or thirty if you have to watch commercials. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's an enjoyable way to to pass the time. But it's but it is candy, normally speaking. It's candy. It's not it's not pushing you forward. It's not helping you develop the mind of Christ unless you approach it with that critical mind and you and you right. look at it and you say, what are they trying to say? Here is the thing about art, whatever it is, it has a message. It's saying something. It's 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 making a truth claim. Normally speaking, if it's truly art, it's making some kind of truth claim about who we are, who God is, wh- what the world means. It's got a worldview behind it, and recognizing that in the different kinds of art that you take in is incredibly important. If if you intend to have the mind of Christ as you're called to to do, if you intend to renew your mind, um, and, and and have that and have that mindset. You have to see things for what they are. And, and part of that is coming to what you intake with a critical mind. And so that's going to bring us to talking about what we talked about at the beginning, this sort of Christian art or Christian forms of art versus art that doesn't claim to be Christian. So, you know, we we said that you had reservations when you first started listening to secular quote unquote music mm-hmm. And you know that word when I was young, I always thought it had something to do with sex just because it said sexy. yeah and' then it's like, oh, that must be bad, you know a whole nother issue that, that some uh, church uh, teaching has, has caused trouble on or at least or at least some that I got when I was young. but, but let's just talk about that which is uh, claiming to be Christian and that which is not making claims about where it comes from what is based on what we've talked about now do you see a different criteria for how you would look at music that's not claiming to be christian what are we looking for um
0: now i'm certainly yeah i mean ever since about high school i started uh looking for um things beyond just who the who the artists claim uh, to worship or I mean, even like bands that probably the artists were Christians, I but didn't at least um, label themselves as a Christian band. I probably wouldn't have listened to. Whereas now, obviously, I would say um, there's a certain amount of of value to art that has nothing to do with um, that has to do with with
1: where the person is coming from. I guess right. Um, so for instance just like i was saying with movies with music you have candy and you have meat right or 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 vegetables whatever if you're a vegan complex uh, yeah complex meals. carbohydrates oh no i was just thinking complex meals uh, the macronutrients i don't know whatever um, I'm a nutritionist so you have so you have that which is fun Right? And then uh-huh. you have that which is, which is truly something valuable. And, and I would say when we're talking about music, I, I do think that the highest form of music is music that honors God and truth, right? And so there are worship songs, even some very, very old hymns and so on. Some of the old theological hymns that are absolutely high and pieces of art. And then there are some that just aren't. They're just right. they're not great musically, they're not great lyrically. You know, you you actually you actually see I think these days more than I remember seeing when I was younger. Criticism that comes with some of the newer worship songs. You know, you have this. There's there's some controversy over like you know you do the song Reckless Love sometimes on right. Sundays. There's some controversy over that. Uh, oh, is God's love reckless? Could God ever be reckless? Um, and and so people get concerned about that. There was a song that used the word evolution in it or something or evolved or yeah, yeah. and people got worked up over that. So there. So now you have people who are for good or for ill, are at least more critically approaching. You know, there's a lot of what some people call prom songs to Jesus or, or whatever, where, yeah. where you have, you know, what seems to be kind of uh, not maybe the highest form of art, even in, in worship. And so just because something is worship doesn't make it good art. Um, and, and oftentimes it's probably not because good art is hard. It's hard to make. It's hard to, it's hard to do uh, because it is a craft. And so, so you have that. Then you have a song by somebody who's not claiming to be a believer at all, uh, maybe is not a believer at all, but yet they say something that's true. You know, I sometimes will quote, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching or preaching or whatever, I may quote somebody who's not a believer, right? But what they've said is true. They've captured the truth about something because believers and unbelievers still have common grace. They still have the ability to see some things that are true. And so, um, or at least they sure seem so, um, uh, because there are people who do not who did not claim to be Christ followers who have said things that are true. And so if I'm looking at art and I'm trying to determine what's good, I'm looking for what's beautiful, for what's true, uh, for what seems to capture uh, the mind of Christ. But even sometimes I may look at something that's not and that's saying something else, right? That's saying something that's untrue, yet I, yet I still can enjoy that, that piece of art because I'm, I'm looking at it and critically analyzing where it is coming from. Right. And in that, I'm understanding the person who made it or the people who made it and where they're coming from. And it, and it helps me to understand people better. And that helps me to be able to um, speak the gospel and, and, and preach the gospel and speak truth and disciple people and so on, because it helps me to understand some of the falsehoods where they come from. I wouldn't necessarily call it good art. <clears throat> but it's got, but there's some value in even understanding those things which aren't good, and then there's some things which are just obscenity. Um, and when I say obscenity, I'm not talking about saying the F word, okay? I'm, I'm talking which it may be, which it may be, in some cases that saying the F word can be obscenity. But the point of obscenity is, it's that which has no artistic value. It's that which is, which is completely unnecessary to the work of art that's put in there simply to engage what, what the Supreme Court would call the prurient uh, you know interests of people. And, you know so you're trying to What's that? yeah so basically it, it's something that is there simply to tantalize, right whether that's sexually or whether that's just sort of like to shock to, to sort of to, to sort of almost like to do something bad for the sake of doing something bad. right okay And so there's so many, uh, for instance in film or television, if i go on to netflix and i'm looking you know hey you know maybe tiffany and i would like to find a show that we would like to watch and it's like everything is tvma now like you know which is mature audiences or whatever which yeah. means it's going to either have really serious language or serious sexuality nudity you know whatever and I most think, of the time go ahead
0: i think tvma is more like pg13 <clears throat> i think i think not in my experience oh really no. i've i've watched shows that were TV MA and I was like this is
1: like no it depends on thing. the show right so yeah. so the people who rate these things there's no uh, it does not appear to me that that there's, there's a, a consistency, consistency yeah. across the way they do that but you know if there's a certain level of violence or if there's a certain level of you know so the question is where's where is the line for the believer who's trying to have the mind of Christ what are those things that you truly should feel Bad about you know you said when I first when I first started listening to music I felt kind of bad about it like maybe I shouldn't be doing this there are things that we ought not to engage in right mm-hmm. um, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before um, and so I don't want to go deeply into the criteria for what you ought and ought not to be engaging in but I would say this you certainly should be looking for that which is true which is beautiful which which is helping you to to understand things that are real and things that are true and avoiding those things which do nothing more than engage the prurient interest. Uh, You know, I watched a movie with the kids the other day and there were, there were a couple of scenes and it were pretty violent. And it was the kind of violence that was completely unnecessary. right. It didn't push the story forward. It didn't it didn't help you understand anything about it. It didn't make it any more true. It, it probably wasn't realistic. You know it's one thing to say, well, that's the realistic way that that would happen or something you know like that. And then you still have to ask the question, yes, but was it necessary? Yeah, you know you take a, you take a movie like The Passion of the Christ. Yes. I, don't, I'm, I, I actually have seen not that. seen it. Okay, I just never Very did. very violent, but the violence is serving a very important purpose because the whole point is this is Christ's passion. This is what he underwent. Right. This is this is what it would have looked like. You need to understand what our Savior suffered.
0: I think there's a lot of kind of uh, like grungier um, TV shows, like like comic uh, uh, superhero TV shows that are a little bit grungier. They're a little bit darker because they're trying to show how bad the like you know like batman it's like oh the the state of gotham city is really bad Mm -hmm. and that's why batman is so important here right um
1: things like that yeah I, i think that there's there are artistic choices that are made to to sell a point or to make a point or to or to show something and they can and there's 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 times when that's done well, and there's times when it's when it's done poorly. Right. And there's times when it's they're making it. The word you use is grungier. There's times when p- things are made grungier simply to make them that way. Right. Because it appeals to a certain audience. You know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, nudity and so on that's in that's in this stuff is oftentimes there. It's for twelve to twenty five year old men. To uh, you know, essentially lust after. I remember I was uh, some interview with one of the guys that does Game of Thrones, and and, you know, because people I've never seen it, but people talk about that as you know. Apparently, it's this you know got this incredible story and blah blah blah. But one of the producers was interviewed and he was saying, look, I'm the pervert, right? And I just wanted to see, you know, full frontal nudity in this scene because I'm a pervert and I like naked women. And, and so, you know, I said, let's get full frontal nudity in this scene and get the, and get the naked woman in there and whatever, because I'm a pervert. And that's what I like to see. So for those who want to make arguments about Game of Thrones being, uh, and look, don't, don't email me about Game of Thrones. I don't care, but if you're making arguments that every choice that's made is an artistic one because that serves the story and whatever, I can tell you objectively that's not true because this producer said, said. <laughs> straight up, I put it in there because I'm a pervert and I'm and essentially I'm wanting to appeal to the prurient interests of people like myself who just want to see naked women, and right. so that's just pornography. That's right. not that's that's just obscenity. That's not art. That's something that was done not to serve the story, not to serve anything else, but to serve this guy's prurient interests. Right. Um, and so you know that's. That's true of a lot of shows where you watch it, and then there's some scene where there's either whatever it happens to be, right? People get worked up by different things, whether it's violence or cussing or or sexuality or whatever. But you'll see, you know, something like that in a in a show or in a movie, and you're going, what What in the world did that do for this piece of art? You know, did that serve it at all, or did it actually? Take it out of the realm of art and into something else, you right, know, right. Um, some sort of some sort of you know entertainment that really is trying to entertain not the good part of you, and so yeah. I would say think critically about the things you watch. Uh, there's people who say, "Hey, look, nothing, nothing that I watch, nothing, none of it affects me. None of it has." First of all, that's not true. Art's powerful. Yeah, art is powerful. It has it has a powerful effect on the person who intakes it, and so um, I would say, especially go, uh, ice cream. Yes, ice cream is powerful,
0: and it has an effect on the person who it takes it. It has a very serious
1: <laughs> effect, and if you do look up a picture of me, you'll see that effect um, in all <laughs> in all the the trouble of the fall uh, around my midsection. And so, yeah there there is a level to which art can be an amazing thing in our lives and help us. To, and it can be one of the one of the most um, you know the the expression of art by people who are true artists. Can be something that that helps us to understand God more, helps us to understand each other more. It can be an amazing thing. It can also be, uh, you know, something that's that takes us the other direction, and, and that uh, and that is untrue, and that is not beautiful, and that harms us. And the question is not are you a quote unquote Christian artist? That's fine. That's, that, that might be a good indicator of what you're about to, to intake as far as the art that's that's involved. But the, the determiner is, is this beautiful? Is it true? Is it good? You know, you look at Philippians 4a, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever, you know, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, you know, that that whole thing. Is it that or is it something else? And so I would say when you're looking at, at uh, music, uh, movies, whatever, uh, that's what you need to look for. So let's talk about Christian movies for a second, just because I think that's interesting. In the last, what has it been? Ten years? I don't remember the brothers' names from Atlanta uh, that started coming, out or Georgia somewhere. They came out with like the Facing the Giants movie, and like mm. and, and like all those movies, this Flywheel, and, and and whatever. Uh, what's the one about marriage? Um, Fireproof. Fireproof, right? So you had all these movies that came out that were that were. Unashamedly, unabashedly Christian films, right? The Prayer Room, uh, which I've never seen that one. But but no, you have these is that War Room? War Room? Is that what it's called? Okay, I've never know. seen it. Um, I haven't seen it. And even and so like I can only imagine that just came out. And then there was the Case for Christ that came out earlier this year. And so you have these movies that are that are or maybe not earlier this year, it was probably last and year. And all
0: the God's Not Dead.
1: God's movies. Not Dead movies, you know, you've got all that kind of stuff. And so what one of the problems has been Um, is that while I think believers can intake those movies and get something good from them, there's good messages in them. You you know, very few movies show believers in a positive light. And so it's nice to see uh, Christian believers uh, put in a positive light. And I'm all for believers making film um, that is uplifting, that is, you know, that is, that is praiseworthy. However, some of these movies have suffered from somewhat low production values. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, let's just say I, I'm going to be as kind as I can. Um, some of them have not been great movies. They they may have been. We may have enjoyed them. Look, I watch Fireproof and I cry. You know, I mean, it, it, it has it has an effect. It's not it's not. I don't think that Fireproof is a bad movie. I enjoyed it. It made me cry. Um, of course, so did Toy Story three. So you know that's a <laughs> That's how I'm going to start crying now if I start thinking about you know the kid giving his toys up at the end of the movie. Oh, sorry for spoiling it for those of you. Who haven't oh. seen it, But you know, it was like ten years ago. So that's it was. That's, that's on you. It was
0: like it was. It was five years ago because it was. I remember I watched it like probably weeks before I graduated, and it just tore my mom up because I was about to move out
1: of the house you and know, everything. Oh gosh, yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. See, my kids haven't left yet. I'll, I can't watch it. You know, when once my kids are going off yeah. to school or whatever. But um, so there, there are Christian films. That are good in some senses, but are they good art? I think that they're becoming better art. I think that that the message has been heard among Christian filmmakers that we're not just looking for a movie that has a Christian theme or that has Christian characters, but that people truly do care about it being a quality piece of work.
0: And I think that's been part of the problem in in music and in film for for Christian uh, for Christian labeled film and music is that. They have, because they are Christian, they already have a listenership. They already have right. a viewership. If they have the right if they have the right label, if they have the right um, deals with with radio stations, stuff like that, they automatically get a listenership regardless of how good or bad their art is. And so um, I'm not gonna say that all Christian artists that I don't like are artists that I don't like because they got lazy and they found an easy way to um, market themselves to Christians. But I think that, to an extent, it's the, possible the industry has suffered because of yeah, it's of possible. That
1: now, with with music, what's interesting is that the sort of revolution in Christian music started quite a while ago. You know, twenty years ago, um, probably is when we really started to see much much better Christian music. It probably had to do with me being born. Probably they probably did it for you, um, <laughs> but but whatever reason they did it for, it started getting much much better. And my guess is what they did it for is. That that's what was being demanded of those who were who were purchasing the music and so on. And that there was just a generation of people who came up and said, "Christian music doesn't have to be." What it is right now. And so they started to do better. And I, th- I see the same thing happening with Christian film, which is saying, okay, so we started doing this. Yes, there's an audience for it. People will go see God's Not Dead seven or whatever, you know, is coming to I don't know. <laughs> I think they're on know. 14 now. Yeah, actually. right. Whatever it is, right? There are people who go see these movies simply because they're believers and they're and they're hungry for for choices that they can make in film that they can bring their whole family to, that they can engage, with, engage in as a family, as believers who, who don't want to see a bunch of uh, you know full frontal nudity and, and 75 F-words in every movie, right? And so there's this hunger for it. So they started producing it to, uh, you know, I think with good intentions, but it wasn't as well funded as it needed to be and so on. So it had to gain, I think a certain, cause it's very expensive to make film. I don't care how good of an artist you are; it's expensive to make film, and yeah. so I think yeah, they had to show that there really was a market for it. And as that's been shown, I think that uh, you know, for instance, the I can only imagine which I haven't seen, and the Case for Christ, which I have seen. Um, the Case know, for Christ came out this year. I think it was last year, sometime. Okay, must not um, be what I'm thinking of. Anyway, it, it was it was a good movie. You know, it was it was definitely a decent movie. I mean, decent Rotten Tomatoes scores. The whole whole nine. And I think the the. I can only imagine got you know somewhere in the seventies you know and rotten tomatoes which is pretty good for a Christian movie. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of Christian movies would probably be you know have a little green splat. And, yeah, um, yeah, so under fifty, I would guess so. So what you're seeing is you're seeing a, a renaissance of of Christian filmmaking, and I think that's good. I think, but but what I think is being recognized is what we've been talking about that you there is a quality, an objective quality to art. Even if you have a small niche of people who are going to intake anything you put out, because it's a all they can get, and b they're just going to like it because it's Christian, that the wider audience for your artwork as as a Christian artist um, wants it to be objectively good art, um, and so I'm, I'm I'm heartened to see what's happening with that um, industry, you know, where where movies that are either Christian or movies that are that are um, designed or aimed towards those with that worldview have gotten better. Now, there were definitely mistakes that have been made because, you know, the passion for the Christ came out, obviously it made very, very good money and all the rest of that. And so then you had big Hollywood come in and, and make some movies that were biblical epics like Noah and like, yeah. what's the one that had Christian Bale in it? I, I, it was about Exodus. Maybe it was called Exodus. I didn't see, I saw a little bit of Noah. I didn't see the Christian Bale movie, but I don't think they did very well. And one of the reasons is, is because they ignored the truth part of it, right? They, they, they went away from the biblical narrative and did their own thing artistically. Um, and as a result, they it, it, A, I don't think either movie was probably very good art. Um, and B, it, they missed their audience, which was hopefully these people who will watch the passion of the Christ will watch Noah or Exodus or whatever that movie was called about Exodus. Um, and people didn't, people didn't go watch those movies and they spent tons of money on them. And so they you, are finding that niche and that niche is going to be movies that have the, the truth, the, the, the amount of grittiness that's necessary to tell the story, but not more, um, and that do a good job of of having the mind of Christ, they're going to do well. Movies that don't, they're not going to do as well. And I think that that you know we we understand that at some level, although we continue to sort of uh, battle through this philosophical issue when it comes to art which is to say you know people believing that art is what they whatever they decide that it is and that kind of subjective thinking is is taking people in the wrong direction so as a believer here's what i would say think about art objectively think about art as something that god knows what truly is beautiful and try to develop the mind of christ towards art. If you do that, not only are you going to enjoy art and get much more out of it, not only is it going to hopefully draw you closer to the Lord, closer to your neighbor, um, but you're going to be growing spiritually as a person as you develop the mind of christ and so i encourage you um, to do that and and it's not a process that happens like anything else any process worth doing is going to have difficulty and work and, and all the rest of that um, involved in it so that's all i've got for for today on art hunter you got anything else you want to
0: i saw the incredibles 2 the other day
1: oh, okay let's talk
0: how, about how was th- that that well, we're talking about the best art in the world. <laughs> I actually did. I really. My really brother's side. He
1: said it was okay. Yeah,
0: mm. I, I I thought it was, you know, with with anything two number the, the second one you always kind of go uh, we'll yeah. see, and it was I it definitely outscored most uh, sequel Disney, Pixar sequels. I would mm. say um, it was pretty good. So okay. it was it was almost like I was surprised by how intense it was. I was expecting you know like a kid movie, mm-hmm. um, and it was. I mean, it still wasn't like a Marvel movie, but it was like a little more intense than what you'd expect from a Pixar superhero movie, you know.
1: So, hmm. well, I guess the kids that watched The Incredibles and adults, uh, what was it, 15 years ago or whenever it came out, 14 years, yeah, yeah. So they're so they're older now. Yeah, <laughs> so they're yep. looking for a more intense experience. I don't know. Um, um, I haven't seen it yet, but I do. I did like the first one. So, um, yeah. Good. Go watch the Incredibles if if that's your thing, and and have the mind of Christ towards it. Let's <laughs> let's pray as we close, Father. I just I ask that you would give us, uh, Lord, your mind that that we would that we would grow and and our minds would be renewed, Lord. Um, that we would that we would be in your Word. That we would be understanding you more and more, and that through that we would have we would develop. Our taste, our our apprehension, our understanding, rather of of art, and and so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us all, because you are the great artist, Lord, you are the creator, and that all of us would have opportunities in, in the things that we do, whatever they are, um, to create works that honor you and honor the truth and the honor beauty, and Lord, I pray for the artists uh, who are believers out there, who do experience. Um, isolation sometimes uh, that they they it's that things are difficult for them sometimes because uh, you have given them a, a view of the world that helps them to see things that other people don't and I pray that that alienation would not keep them um, from great community with their brothers and sisters in Christ and that you would give us all an understanding of those who you've created to to be creators and to and to be creative um, and that we would encourage them and that we would and that we would come alongside them and that we would all develop in ourselves that. Creativeness, and that we would develop in ourselves those things that are like you, Lord, and and not, and not only munch on candy, Lord, but look for, for the meat and and potatoes, for the for the the real, uh, nutrition, uh, to our soul of good art, Lord. Uh, we thank you for. Uh, the fact that we get to engage in that, and we just ask that you'd be with us all this week. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast and, to, and just spend some time with people, Lord, in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Axe Church Podcast. Uh, If this is your first
0: podcast that you've heard, uh, we're glad you stuck around, and we hope you can listen to some of our other podcasts out there. There's about 20 of them now, I think. And so um, give those other ones a listen. We just like to talk about things and reflect on how uh, Christ sees the world and how we can uh, see the world more closely to it. To that. And so um, go look at all those. You can also check us out at axcamus.org That's A-C-T-S-C-A-M-A-S.org. Uh, you can check us out there and learn more about our ministries and our staff and see some of our sermons. And uh, we hope you get a chance to look at that. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time.